Happy Mother's Day. And so we'll transition a second for some lights. We got one volunteer back there. Thank you so much, Sherry, for bouncing between the two, uh, lighting and uh, tech. So are we, getting, are we getting lights? Try another one. There we go. Let There Be Light. That's a different book. We're not going to look at that book today, but uh, that'll be good. She's on it. Well, while she's figuring out lighting, happy Mother's Day. And I want to give you a special Mother's Day message today. So we'll try to be brief. You know, when a pastor says they're going to try to be brief, um, it's true. It's just we're not good at it. Okay, so give me a little bit of patience on that. Um, we do have a special gift for moms today. So a couple of things are going to help you get to that gift and manage that. Uh, one would be fill out a connect card, both online and here. Uh, we're getting there almost. I know you'll get there. You just keep playing with it until it looks right. Okay, just like tech at home, right? Y'all have a TV remote. Keep playing with it until it looks right. Uh, but on here, one of the things, and Pastor Danny will tell you more about this when we get to it, we definitely need your address because we will be mailing you all a special gift. So those of you that are here in person will be getting a free Rita's gift card, all the moms today. So if you want it, you got to give us your address, not because we're going to give you any goofy mail, but literally we have to mail you the Rita's cards. That's the only way they do it. And then also, uh, you'll get a picture today um, at no cost. It'll be in the fellowship hall right after the service. And to get you the picture, we need your email. So I promise you... We are not going to sell it to some organization for money. Uh, we just need your information so we can get you the proper stuff. So as we were preparing for today, I asked a really interesting question on Facebook, which is about mom's saying. So I thought that video was kind of fun. And some of you responded in some very interesting ways. I told you my mom had a saying, which was, uh, you know, um, if you don't get right, I'm going to upset your apple cart and spill all your Peaches. I also learned that you shouldn't talk back to mom because I remember when I got to a certain age, I'm like, if it's an apple cart, why are peaches being spilt? And that brought on a whole new area of discipline in my life. My grandmother used to say this one. Let's see if you know this one. There's just interesting wisdoms that we get from our, our grandmoms and moms. She would look outside and if it was sunning and raining, she would say what? Do you know what she would say? The devil's beating his wife. I'm like, I didn't know he was married. What kind of screwed up woman would marry the devil? That's a different message. We'll talk about that a different day when we talk about dating. But some of you, listen to some of yours. You said, if you got up there, you can get back down on your own. So I can imagine the girl that was climbing stuff all the time. What a great lesson in empowerment. Uh, this was cute. I love you a bushel and a peck and a hug around the neck. Well, yeah, that was good. I like that one. I brought you into this world. Thank you, Bill Cosby. Okay, so that one, what's that? And making, oh, so she's got an addendum. So I brought you into this world. I can take you out and make another one that looked just like you. That's interesting. Okay. So tack that wisdom on from mom. Thank you, Lisa. And then this one was really straightforward. I love this one. Um, keep the faith. What a great thing to say uh, to someone. Linda gave us that one. Said, keep the faith. I know Mother's Day is a great day, but I also know it's a tough day. Uh, you may not know, but my mom graduated to heaven. She did that a long time ago, about 24 years ago. So every year Mother's Day comes. It's something that's difficult for me, but it's also something that's a blessing to me because it causes me to reflect on what my mom taught me, what wisdom came from there, and where that wisdom may or may not be connected to God's word. And so that's something I do every year. So I know for some of you, today will be a good day, but I also know for some of you, it'll be a difficult day. And so we're hoping that today's service will be something that's a blessing to all of the different people in this room. So I picked a passage that's a difficult passage. Most people do not like to preach this passage. 
It is an interesting Proverbs. The ladies in the room probably have heard this one way too many times. It's Proverbs. Yeah, how many of you feel like you can measure up to a Proverbs 31 woman, right? You read this and you're like, man, this woman could not have been a real woman, right? Who rises board the four of the family and does all this stuff and sews everything and builds everything and like, like she's like a superwoman, right? But what I want to do is give you a new perspective on Proverbs 31 that's based on really more of a, a biblical true view of this text. So if you've got a Bible, open it up, Proverbs 31. We're only going to look at the first few and I want to show you a different translation as you start. It's a really interesting one that came out of Dewey Reams Bible. It says, the words of King Lamuel... The vision wherewith his mother instructed him. So that's verse one. The reason this is so important is it's going to use the word oracle in a lot of the older translations. And I want you to be able to understand an oracle is just a vision. And a vision is a preferred reality. And I guarantee you, moms, you all have preferred realities for your kids and your grandkids. You want the very best for them. And what's beautiful about this text that we're about to read that we forget about Proverbs 31 is this mom, and we don't even know who King Lemuel is. That's the coolest part. We don't know who he was. We just know he was a king in Israel. Some people say, well, it was this king, it was this, but they're all guessing. We don't know is the honest answer, which I think is beautiful, which means we can't ascribe it to a specific person, which means I think it may have greater application to all of us. But when we look at this text, it's a vision of a mom for her son. So think of it from that perspective. And let's read Proverbs 31, just again, one through nine. The saying of King Lemuel, an oracle, vision, his mom taught him. O my son, O my son of my womb, O son of my vows, do not spend your strength on women, your vigor on those who ruin kings. It's not for kings, O Lemuel, not for kings to drink wine, not for rulers to crave beer, lest they drink and forget what the law decrees and deprive all the oppressed of their rights. Give beer to those who are perishing, wine to those who are in anguish. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. This is a pretty cool passage, is it not? Because when you read it, if you're reading it the way I read scripture, I'm like, okay, I get some of this, but some of this is kind of kind of wild. Like, is mom saying go get smashed, but you're not allowed to? Like, what's going on in the text? And what you're going to find is there are some beautiful things about motherhood that we just skip over, and most commentators don't even touch because it's such a difficult passage. They just want to get down to the list <laughs> for the so hard for women to live up to. But this first part is so cool. Let me dig into it for you and just give you some things. So this mother's vision looks this way. A mother's vision comes in many forms. That's the first thing I want you to be able to see in this text and in our world today. A mother's vision, it comes in many forms. How does it come in many forms? Well, it comes in a physical form, does it not? Moms have a physical love, a physical affection, a physical form for you. It also comes in a biological form. Some of you have biological moms that you're connected to. It comes in adoptive forms, doesn't it? Some of you have adoptive parents that are closer to you and you may not even know who your physical or biological parents are because your adoptive parents have been so key in your life. Some of you have different women in your life for different reasons, especially spiritually, that have adopted you in the faith and they become so close to you, so close knit to you and they've shaped your life. That's what I love about this because we don't know who King Lemuel's mom is. We can't prescribe to her a specific form. So it gives us the freedom to look at all of these forms. Mentors, coaches. 
When I was thinking about this and just kind of praying through it, I was thinking about my mom. And I don't know about your mom, but my mom was the mom that would take everybody in. Did you have one of those moms? Didn't matter who they were. Didn't matter where they were from, even when they were from New York. She would take them in. And I remember we had three um, people at one time, one time living with us, that were just distant. And I thought they were cousins. And I learned later they weren't even related to us. But we called them cousins. And we called the uh, parents aunt and uncle. And they just were in a difficult situation in New York. And mom said, come on down here to the shore and we'll take care of you. And she became a surrogate mother to these other three people that became siblings to us. And they had a whole new form of what motherhood looked like. And that's what I want you to see. Motherhood is not always biological. It's not always adoptive. It can be spiritual. And the reason this is so important is for some of you ladies in the room, I just want to kind of challenge you. You're moving into a season where you're supposed to be one of those kind of mothers. Not just to your kids, but to other people. And there's other ladies in this room, I'm telling you, because I know, I watch you walk through it, that you're looking for one of those spiritual moms in the faith. Someone to pray with you and talk with you and talk about the difficulties of life. And this is an important dimension of Mother's Day that sometimes, like me, I can't, I still want to call my mom. I still remember my home phone numbers. Anybody remember your home phone number? Okay, yeah. Isn't that weird? I can't remember my wife's cell phone number, but I remember my home phone number. And there's still days I want to pick up my phone and call my mom 24 years later. And this is why it's important for us, even though we grieve in this way, to connect with other women in the faith. They become those mothers in the faith for us, especially for women. The other thing you see in a mother's vision is this. It precedes birth and it's solemn. It precedes birth and it's solemn. I love this in this passage. Oh, my son, she says, oh, son of my womb. So she's thinking about his life before he comes into the world. And then she says, oh, son of my vows, which she's specifically speaking to her marital vows. This is important because I think for most mothers, your love for a child doesn't start the day they're born, does it? It starts the day they're conceived. It starts the day you begin to vision for them, pray for them. You begin to think about who they will be and what they will do and what impact they'll have on the world and how difficult the world will be for them. I remember one time my dad was struggling with this idea. Guys sometimes struggle with this idea. And he was telling me, your mom didn't want you. You ever have one of those kind of conversations with a parent? And what I learned was, it wasn't quite the truth. What I learned was my mom was like, holy crap, you can get pregnant at 40? (laughs) And I was like the after kid. Anybody ever have one of those? Like you've had a few kids? And you're like, oh, that can still happen? Oh, no. And I was that kid that was coming and like, you know... And I showed up on the scene and wrecked everything because my other brothers and sisters were like pretty chill. And I came out and I was hyper from day one. (laughs) And my dad saw all this and said, wow, what a strain on the the family, right? What a difficult situation to have a kid at 40. Those of you that are 40 and 50, yeah, I relate to you. Things change, don't they? My wife told me when I turned 50 this year, she's like, have you noticed all of the check engine lights have come on in our life? (laughs) The cholesterol light came on, the sugar light came on, the lose weight light came on, like all the lights came on. And I'm like, yeah. And can you imagine if we had a kid at 40, that means like they're 10. And if they're like me, they would kill us, right? So I I get that it was difficult. But what my wife, what my mom told me was, yeah, it was difficult, but I wouldn't change anything. Yeah, I struggled emotionally with being pregnant at 40, but it was still a joy 
because there's always a joy when there's a child that's conceived and born. The reason this is so important, I know politically right now we are in an interesting time as a nation. And I'm not here to rub up against your politics, I'm not. Okay? We're very broad and we accept people from very broad political ranges as a church. But what I do want you to hear is biblically, a mom begins to think of a child at conception if it's a biblical idea of pregnancy. That's so important in the world we live in. It's an idea steeped in love and in motherhood that's lost. Often on the news I've recently heard in the arguments presented, well, it's my body. Did you know that's not true even biologically? At the moment of conception, there is a unique DNA that begins a process that if uninterrupted brings a wonderful, beautiful child into this world, regardless of the circumstances around it. And it's something that we've got to get back to if we're going to reclaim biblical motherhood. This is not being about being down on choice. It's being up on life. And that's something that we've got to think about when we think about this kind of motherhood precedes birth. And this mother knew it. I was going through pictures I stumbled on this week. I found one of those old hard drives. You ever find those old hard drives? I'm like, what's on this thing? You're kind of scared to look at it. I plugged it in and I found pictures, believe it or not, of Seth, that big honking pink thing out there, um, prenatal that we had kept. So in the womb, had these pictures. He looked much smaller back then. (laughs) But I was like, wow, we kept those. Yeah. And you're able to look back and say, look what God did. In fact, what's the psalmist saying in 139? He knit you together fearfully and wonderfully in your mother's womb. So I want you to begin to think about that as we we struggle with this. I want to give you a couple perspectives on this. Again, not trying to get political. I just want to get biblical. There's a really famous book called the Didache. Okay, it's a book that almost made it into the Bible, but not quite. It's about 100 years after the Bible was kind of put together and said, these are the Holy Scriptures. It was written by a whole bunch of guys that were early church fathers. And what they wanted to do is they wanted to capture the apostles' teaching because they had hung out with them. So these are the guys that were like, we lived with the apostles, we hung out with them, we were the students of the apostles. So they said, let's write down some of the sayings like we did this morning with moms. They wrote down some of the apostles' sayings. And one of the one out of this book, which is fascinating, that's in the first 100 years of the church, out of chapter two, verse two says this out of the dedicate. It says, you shall not abort a child or commit infanticide. Now, why was this in such an early church document? And why is it important to motherhood? Because ladies of that day, because of the Roman government and the Greek thinking of that day, if they had a child that was the wrong sex that they didn't want, or they had a child that was deformed, or they had a child that was born that wasn't quite in a situation that they wanted, They would leave the child on the side of a hill and they would allow the child to die of something called exposure. It was legal. It was considered ethical. It was considered the best moral decision of the day. But here's what I want you to hear, church family. The Christians of that day didn't form some new political group. They didn't go out and start picketing. They didn't do weird, goofy things. What they really did will surprise you. They started going out to the side of the hill And they started picking those babies up. And they started taking them home. And they raised them. They adopted them. And the first things that we call now orphanages were birthed in the very first century of the church. Because the church said, we're up on life. 
This is the kind of perspective that needs to shift for us as we think and consider what it really means to be a mom in the world in which we live. So that's one of the things that I just think is something that if we look at this, you can't kind of get there. Again, uh, one of the things that um, I think a mom's perspective is, oh, my son, oh, my womb, but also these vows of uh, how they vow to raise them. When my mom died in 98, I'll never forget this, she looked at my wife because she knew that guys have (laughs) struggles uh, keeping clean underwear and all those other good things you heard earlier. And she said, before she died, she looked at my wife and she said, take care of my son. Here's a woman who's dying. And again, she's thinking about taking care of her children. And so these are the kind of things when I think about motherhood and I think about the richness of it. I think these are the, it's just the beautiful sanctifying pieces. Sometimes we miss. Even Jesus knew how important moms were, right? Because when he was being nailed to a cross... He took time to look down from that cross and he looked at the apostle John and he said, son, your mother, mother, your son. He did not want his mom to not be cared for. And the same thing's true for moms with boys. The third thing you can get from a mom's vision is this. It's focused on health. You see that all throughout this text. It's focused on health. Don't, don't spend your strength on women, your vigor on those who ruin kings. My mom was very concerned about my dating life. Was your mom? Did it irritate you? Come on, be honest with me. It irritated me. Was your mom overly concerned and overly involved in who you dated and what they looked like and where they were from? Was your mom this way? Okay, my mom was too. I'll never forget, my mom looked at me one day and says, what is it with you? Will you please bring home a brunette to meet? Okay? Oh, my mom, reds and blondes. Susan, I said, well, I married Sue. She's changed her hair color so many times now. I'm good. Hairdresser, it's good. But moms are very concerned with who you date, who you spend time with, where you, where you spend that time, because they know it's going to shape you, and they know that relationship is a healthy thing in your life, and they know it's important. That's why they're focused on that. I love this thing about underwear. Is that still true? Did your mom tell you, make sure, oh, especially guys, wear clean underwear. Did, do you remember why they told you to? Because why? In case you get in an accident. Did your mom tell you that? My mom did the same thing. And I'm like, if I get an accident, it's not going to be clean. <laughs> but they care about your health and they care about your appearance. They care about what you eat. Was your mom that way? My mom, first time I took Susan home, grabbed a plate <laughs> at Thanksgiving and started telling her what she would eat, putting the things on her plate. And then she felt obligated to have to eat everything because it was the first time she'd met with the whole family. Moms are like that. They just care and love about us all the way through every physical part of us, our emotional life, our dating life, our relationship life, and they especially care about your spiritual life. I think moms are one of the biggest parts of our culture that care about us spiritually, aren't they? How many of you are probably here today or you've grown in your spiritual life because of a grandmother or a mom who prayed over you, thought about you, invested in you, when you went over to their house to get cookies or greens or peas and dumbbells, whatever it was, sat with you and had those kind of deep, penetrating conversations that only a grandmother or mother could have. They care about us in such a way. My mom loves sports. She, in fact, she actually used to beat a lot of the boys when she was younger at sports. And so I don't know if you have a kid like this, but I was that hyperactive kid. And it wasn't long before the teachers came to mom and said, you have to do something. And what do you think the teachers wanted done? 
get that boy some meds, like get him on it because he is like, he won't stop drumming on the desk. He can't sit still. By the way, young boys are not good at clerical work. If y'all figured that out, okay, it's not who we are. So mom says, no, that's not what we're going to do because she cared about my overall health. She said, we'll just sign that boy up for every sport that comes down the pike and we'll wear his little butt out every day. Now that's not to say that sometimes medication is not something that's warranted, but I want you to see a mom is willing to stand even against the conventional wisdom of the world when it comes for the care of her children. And that's something that I think is so valuable. So they care about us relationally, physically, spiritually. Now there's the second part of this passage that is hilarious. I, I just got to go here with you because it's too much fun. What's it say in verse 6? Give beer to those who are perishing, wine to those who are in anguish, Some of you are already thinking, I'm in anguish. Uh, Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Now I'm reading this and I'm like, what do we do with this text? And what I want you to see is the Bible is so real and so active and so alive. And you have to learn how to read it correctly, right, church family? What's it say at the beginning? Is this an oracle from God? It's an oracle from whom? It's from mom for the king. So here's something I'm hoping will help you. This mom thought, you're pretty highbrow, you're pretty high class, you're one of the kings, don't, don't stoop with the people. That's what this text is saying. And then it's being literal, give them some drink, let them get smashed, let them forget who they are. Now, when we look at that, does that sound godly? Now I want to give you something that's so cool. It's not. It's not. You know, what mom would go, hey, when you got to prom this year, I want you to have a really good time. Going to get smashed, okay? Just be safe. If you say that, we need to talk, mom, okay? That's not good, and that's not normal. So why is this mom saying for the poor that should happen? So let me give you a vision in that. Not all wisdom from mom is godly. That's a huge takeaway from this text. So let me, let me give you something from my mom. My mom had some good stuff. One of the biggest things you've heard me say, church family, is you'd always say, follow the money. You want to know why things work in the government? You want to know why things work in the world? Follow the money. That was true. That wisdom panned out. It panned out in scripture, right? Because the root of all evil is what? Love of money, right? Yeah. But my mom also said this. Let me give you something she said. And it's probably out of her own personal pain and experience in marriage. She said, when you get married, you lose 50% of you. If you have children... You lose the other half. So she told me. Now, I think in her life, being a mom who went through a divorce and went through a very difficult season, having to raise a child later in life, she experienced a lot of that. She experienced a lot of the pain. It shaped her life, okay? But was it true? Then you come to Scripture and look at Scripture and it says, oh, it says that the husband has a 100% role to love his wife the way Christ loves the church. The wife has a 100% role that's her 100%. And the children actually in Ephesians 5 have a role prescribed from them. So the truth is, it's 100, 100, 100. And there's a role that helps you to live in that in a healthy, biblical way. Now, why can I say that? Because not all wisdom from mom is going to be the right wisdom. Now, mom's in the room. Let me help free you from Proverbs 31 and the pressure of it. Not everything that you're going to tell your kids will be perfectly right. Not every example that you will make will be always on target. 
You will make mistakes. You will fall down. You will give bad advice sometimes, and you'll give good advice sometimes. And here's the freeing moment for you. If you're raising your kids in a Christian home, it's up to them to read the scriptures and own their own faith. That frees you to be a human being that doesn't have to be perfect like you read in the rest of Proverbs 31, doesn't it? And that's something that we all need to take away from that. And when I read this, I'm like, nobody would touch it. When I read the commentaries, they're like, oh, he's just saying be good to the poor. I'm like, that does not sound like it's being good to the poor, okay? I read other commentaries, and they would say, oh, they're just saying that, you know, it sucks to be on the bottom. I'm like, no, that's not what it was saying. I think the wisdom that's there, and I think the reason the Lord provided this passage for us is he wants us to see, you're not always going to get perfect wisdom from family, but you will get perfect wisdom from Scripture. And that's a big takeaway. The fourth thing you see when it comes to mom is this. She emphasized character. Character. Mom emphasizes character. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Wow. For the rights of all who are destitute. Mm. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Moms are great at this. Because they care about character. Never forget, probably the biggest example my mom gave me for this was she was working for a large corporation in Salisbury. And she saw one of the biggest, one of the owners of the corporation do something that was just wrong to the workers. Now, my mom was a spitfire. You've got to understand this. Even though she was just a lowly technician of the company, she went to the president's door and she knocked on the door. And she brought the issue up. And she goes, this isn't wrong. It needs to be rectified. And they were like, well, sorry, it's not going to change. So she quit. Single mom, raising a child. There were certain things that she knew would tap into your soul. Certain ethics, certain morals, certain things you had to stand for. Or the world would run over you and run over people that could not defend themselves. I remember it was a pretty rough day. She came home. She'd quit her job. I was playing some ball. And I remember I'm playing at, at the ball field. And I see this weird activity out. You know, you park your cars out, you know, there. You know, I love it when people park their cars at the end of the fence because it makes me want to hit a home run. <laughs> As a kid, break a windshield. That was cool. Um, they're out there. And I see like 20, 30 people show up around my mom's car. And it's 20 or 30 of the workers of that company. And they've come to beg her to come back, to continue fighting, to be a part of it. And one of them was the owner of the company. Listen, moms care about character. And that's something we need to take in this culture we live in because it teaches us to stand up for what's right and biblical, not just historical and comfortable. We need that. Mom always told me that there was a better deal over the horizon. That one's still trying to sink in for me because I'm still an impulsive buyer. Anybody else with me? Yeah, I'll never forget the first time I learned this. It's a character issue. You'll love this one, Joel. There was a 71 Mustang Fastback from Cleveland, three on the floor. It was down the street. It was on sale. I wanted it. I was trying to borrow money from mom to get it. She's like, no, I don't think that's a good car for you. (laughs) And I'm like, it's the perfect car, mom. I didn't get the car, long story short. And I said, but I'll never come across a deal like this again. And she goes, no matter how good the deal is, I'm telling you, there's always a better one. And if you don't just buy it out of impulse, wait till you got the money. And, and these were things, again, they were about character and building character. 
And I, I want to tell you today as we think about Mother's Day, that's the way we honor our moms. We let the character that they've invested in us live out. You evaluate every aspect with honesty against the Bible, not against just who you are. And when you do that, you will honor your mom. Because if I make a mistake as a parent, and my kid takes that and goes to the scripture and says, this is really what we should have done, Dad, that's honoring to me. They've moved beyond my own instruction and own teaching and taught me something. And I'm telling you, this is what we need to do with our moms today. The other thing my mom did, um, maybe did or maybe not did, this is an interesting thing. This is what I'll leave you with before we take a, a next step for some song and some music. I'll never forget, after she passed away, it had been about a year, and I was praying one night and sleeping, and I kind of fell, you ever fall asleep like that half-day sleep? I was like one of those half-day sleeps. And my mom came to me in a dream. You ever have one of those? It was very vivid. Now, I'm not telling you my mom came to me in a dream because I know my mom's in heaven. But what I'm telling you is the dream was very vivid. So whatever I was thinking about, praying about, or stewing on, God was using the role of a mother to make me think about this situation. And she said in the dream, so vivid, I'm very concerned about your brother and sister. They've done some really good things in their life. They're at a good place. They're doing well. But I just don't know where they are spiritually. This happened in a dream. I'm not just telling you this. It's not an allegory. This was real to me as a dream. And she goes, and I'm concerned one day when we all get to heaven, we won't be together. I need you to share the gospel with your brother and sister. The good news of what Christ has done. So that we all can be together in heaven one day. I woke up in a sweat. Like, this has to happen now. Like, it's urgent. And I went and found my brother and sister, and it took the next six months of loving them, praying with them, creating opportunities to spend time with them. But eventually, with both my brother and sister, they were able to hear the gospel, which I'm going to present to you in a second, and they were able to respond to the gospel. And that gave us the assurance that one day we would all be in heaven together. And that's the greatest gift you can give a mom. Because I know my mom in heaven, knowing that we'll all be together again, is the greatest gift you can give to a mother. So where do you find yourself this Mother's Day? Where are your siblings, your family, cousins? Because here's the good news. Here's the gospel. I want to lay it out for you. And it's such good news. Most churches do not preach good news. They, they preach work harder news. Here's the good news. The good news is no matter how hard we work, no matter how good we are, no matter how hard we try to get God's approval, we'll never fully get it. Why? Because he's perfect. And we can't attain that level of perfection. But he knows who we are. He knows our condition. He knows our situation. And out of love, he sent his one and only unique son in the flesh to pay a payment for our sin that we could not pay for ourselves. You see, the wage of sin, the Bible says, is death. So there has to be blood paid to have sin atoned for, covered over. So at the perfect moment in history and time, Jesus came born of a woman. How cool is that? Born of the flesh, lived the perfect life that you and I couldn't live, and then offered that life 
perfectly on the cross to pay for our sins. Because he had no sin of his own, three days later, he rose from the dead. You cannot visit his tomb. You cannot go to that place. You can go to where he rose, but he is not there for he is risen. The whole Easter message is because he's risen, we have hope and new life. And we never face death the way anyone else will because we face it with hope. Because death is just a moving from this life to be with him and our family. How does that happen in the life of a person? You have to first be honest about your own sin. See, you can't have a savior if you don't need one. And the only way you know you need one is if you admit you're a sinner like me. And that's what I had to do. I had to admit I was a sinner. Then I put all of my belief and my hope and my trust in Christ alone. And then I committed my life to his kingship. And that was a radical thing. I just want to let you know, don't make that decision lightly. Because here's what it means. My view on everything political will change. And it may freak you out how it changes. Because now the only king or leader I'm interested in is Christ. What does he think about this? What does he want me to do this? Your work will change. How I work for my boss will change because what does Jesus want me to do in this situation? Everything, your relationships will change. And that kind of radical change brings the kingdom of heaven into your life and it changes your family. Not only because you'll be together in eternity, but you'll think differently about your family. And if you've never made that decision, that's why you're here for Mother's Day. To know with certainty what John says in his letter to the church. He says, I write these things to you that you might know that you have eternal life. So if you need to renew that faith or begin that faith, let's do that today through prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for each and every person, both gathered here in person and those online. We all take a moment and say, examine us. Look at our lives. Father, I know that my life falls short every day of what you want. I don't even think, Lord, I could live up to my mom's standard, let alone yours. But thank you that I don't have to, for you made a way. But Lord, we begin that by first praying our sin before you and being honest. Would you just admit your sin before God for only you and he to hear the areas that separate you from one another and between you and God? Would you do that now? Father, thank you that we can't earn our way to your heaven, but that you purchased the way for us. In the person of Jesus, at the perfect point in history and time, he died for us. Father, the best we know how we receive what he did, we thank you that he died for our sins. And it's because of that, there is no sin held over us anymore, that we've been set free from death and set free from sin because of what Christ has done. Heavenly Father, we commit our lives the best we know how to him today. Knowing that he has been risen from the dead, that means he can be alive in our lives. And so, Lord, we commit our lives to him, and we ask that you would come into our lives, into our heart, to the very center of who we are, and begin the process of changing us. Changing us to look more like Christ every day as we commit to walk with you, 
and pray in such a way that changes our whole perspective on life. In Jesus' name we all pray and all God's people said, amen. In just a moment, the, the band's going to play a song. This is a really cool song that will help us consider what it really means uh, to have an impact on our families. It's a very cool family-oriented song. And then the Pastor Daniel will come up right after that um, to talk about how you can make sure you get both of those gifts the church wants to give you today, both the photo and Rita's ice. Okay, he'll come up and talk about that. But I also know that some of you, this is a difficult day. And so what I want to do for you is I'll remain here in the sanctuary. In a moment, Pastor Daniel will help us to go down to the fellowship hall for pictures and a couple things and connect cards. But if you want me to pray with you, I will stay as long as necessary, especially if you're struggling with the loss of a mom, the loss of a person, or a certain situation. And so if you need prayer today, I don't want you to leave before you receive the kind of prayer that might help with the anguish of what you're facing. Amen? So let's listen, listen to these words, listen to the song, and let God move us. And then Pastor Daniel come, give us some instructions on how to connect to the Mother's Day pieces. And then again, I'm here for you if you want to pray on any of those issues. Amen? All right.